talk about Stephen Ross. We'll talk about Sean Watson and Roger Goodell and what's happening around the NFL. But of course, we want to start with Jeff Diamond's impressions being out there at training camp. This is Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider, part of the TalkNorth.com podcast network. I'm Jim Suhan from the Star Tribune. Jeff, of course, the former Vikings general manager, former NFL executive of the year. Our producer is Brian Burdett. And we do appreciate you listening to TalkNorth.com. We do recommend subscribing to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's easy. So, Jeff, just tell me what you're seeing and what you're thinking after spending some time out there. Yeah, I think, uh, first of all, I think the energy is very good, which usually happens early in camp until – Guys start to get a little tired with the dog days of camp, more like the second, third week. But I think they're off to a good start and seems like a lot of energy and enthusiasm among the players and the, and the fans that are in attendance. The I think a lot of impressions in terms of some of the competition that's going on, some a, a few spots up for grabs, as, we, as we've talked about before, and certainly probably the most prominent are the the one safety spot opposite Harrison Smith, where Cam Bynum is running with the first team right now, but Lewis seems the first round pick. And then you've got the right guard spot. Jesse Davis is holding that right now, the veteran. But I expect him to get pushed by the second round pick at Ingram and eventually probably being Ingram's job at some point. But Probably not week one against the Packers. And you've got the the second outside corner spot between Cam Dantzler and Andrew Booth Jr. I've been really impressed with what I've seen physically out of Booth. And I think that's a, a really good sign for the Vikings that he's come back healthy from that hernia surgery. And then I think a lot of other things we can talk about. Kellen Mond is the second quarterback, getting a lot of a strong look from O'Connell. And, and just the competition for those backup receiver spots, really good competitive group there. And so I think there's a lot of good things happening. Of course, the one negative so far is Irv Smith Jr.'s thumb injury that's going to knock him out. They hope until the opener. O'Connell seems confident he can make it back for the opener. We'll see about that. Uh, the good thing, as the coach mentioned, with a thumb is that at least he can continue his conditioning, all his lower, lower body work and so forth, as they keep that thumb kind of protected. So that's the, the negative and the tight end spot, not the strongest on the team. But I think camp's off to a good start overall. Thanks to White Bear Lake Superstore, whitebearlakesuperstore.com, and TSR Injury Law, 612-TSR-TIME. We appreciate everyone who sponsors TalkNorth.com shows. We've added a lot of shows Boyce Olson, Dave Lee, Mike Grimm's Go Gopher podcast, the On the Bench guys for our uh, one of our many hockey shows, the Pross Box with Nate Prosser, outdoor content, of course, the greats already lined up like Jeff, Cheryl Reeve, Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanta, Lavelle Neal, Roy Smalley, John Millay, John Krasinski. I, I, we have so many, I can't list them all. Uh, so thanks for listening to TalkNorth.com. We do appreciate it. Let's start with the tight end. That is the newsiest thing that's happened in this camp. Irv Smith is injured. He's not going to play at least until the regular season. First of all, do you believe that he'll be back and ready to go for the regular season? And do you believe they can stand pat and wait for him? Well, that, that's that's really a good question. And I think he certainly can be back with a thumb injury. And if the opener is basically five weeks away at this point or 
I think he's got a, a good chance to make it. Uh, the Obviously, with a receiver, a thumb is more important than a, if it was an offensive lineman or defensive lineman. They could pad it up and cast it up. But that's why they decided to go ahead with the surgery. And so, yeah, I think he can make it back. Uh, week one, we'll see. And in terms of the overall depth at the position, I think it's questionable, honestly. I like Zach Davidson. I think he's a, a big target at 6'7", and I like what I've seen from him in camp so far. He's got some good speed for a big man. He can run. And it was interesting to hear Kirk Cousins talking about him yesterday and making the comparison to Tyler Conklin. Now, they're different body types. Conklin is more like a 6'3 guy, but they both weigh around 250. And I think the point Kirk was making is, is when Tyler came in here as kind of a they're, they're both fifth round picks, both out of smaller, smaller schools, Conklin out of central Michigan, Davidson out of central Missouri. And they were both kind of raw when they came in. And, and of course, Conklin developed over the years and to the point where he had 61 catches last year and got himself a nice uh, deal in free agency with the Jets. And so priced himself maybe a little more than the Vikings wanted to pay him. But in retrospect, maybe they wish they perhaps would have, <laughs> but you, you got to make choices, and they were confident that Irv Smith Jr. was going to be back and be the starter. They signed Johnny Munt, uh, who's more of a blocking tight end from the Rams. So you got Munt, you got Davidson, you got Muse, who was a draft, late draft pick. And the problem is that between those guys and Ben Ellison, who played a little bit last year, they got 11 career catches. So if, if Irv Smith Jr. is not in their opening day, then that's kind of a problem because Munt's more of a blocker type. And the great thing that Smith, Irv Smith Jr. brings is kind of that other option if, if the teams bracket Jefferson and Thielen and, and KJ Osborne's going to get some attention. I, I really felt Irv Smith Jr. could have a huge year. And in that scenario, although if you watch camp, which we've been doing, you can see they're going to find ways to get Jefferson the ball and Thielen. And whether they're quick, quick uh, tosses or quick screens or, or whatever, or, or short routes, and, and then break them off to longer routes, JJ's going to get his, his touches. He, he's got to. He's just such a dynamic player. But I think the tight end position is, is uh, going in. It was, it was one of the not strong points of the team. It's not like running back, which is a, a really strong position, wide receiver, really strong position. Edge rusher is a, a strong position if, if Daniel Hunter and Zadarius Smith stay healthy. I think that the tight ends are more kind of like the corners that there's some question marks. And, you know, listen, I don't want to make it sound like fantasy football, uh, which we're all guilty of doing to a certain extent. But can you make up for the loss of Irv Smith if he if he doesn't come back right away, if he has injury problems this year? Can you simply make up for the loss of Irv Smith with more K.J. Osborne and more C.J. Ham, or do you, does it really alter the way you can run your offense? Yeah, I think I think it does alter it because of, of the receiving threat that, that Irv is, and he's, a, and he's a good blocker too. So he gives you that, that double dose of, of ability and skill set. And so, yeah, there, there are certainly ways that they'll accommodate if they don't have him, and they could even go out and get a veteran guy uh, there are some some players like a Jimmy Graham, I think, that are still on the market. But I don't know if that's the long-term solution they're looking for. And and I think that in, in this situation, 
they're hoping Smith comes back, he can stay healthy, and and they can focus on on other positions if they need some help. And so it's at this point, it's a little bit of a crapshoot and, and see how it turns out. Who is uh, standing out to you in terms of the defenders right now? Uh, and again, listen, we're, we're early in camp. Uh, you, there's only so much you can glean from watching practice and everything else. But the defense was a problem last year, and they have a potential of new faces in the secondary. They have, you know, they've added Smith. They've changed schemes. Uh, from what you've seen so far, could could is it realistic to expect uh, a major improvement? Yeah, I think I think it is. First of all, if, I think the key to the whole equation on defense, of course, is our Hunter and Zadarius Smith. That if if they can stay healthy if, if they can get a good rotation going and get some help from from DJ Wanham. Uh, the coaches have been talking up Pat Patrick Jones last year's third round pick. <clears throat> it was really interesting to hear them talking about him, Donatel talk about him as as a guy who's picked up the system as faster, faster than anybody. And you think, well wait a minute, Zadarius Smith, you coached him in Green Bay. <laughs> but yet he's talking very highly of Patrick Jones. And we'll see if, if Patrick can develop. I think that, that's part of what will be interesting to watch in the preseason games, to watch the scrimmage or the joint practices with the 49ers in a couple of weeks, to see some of those guys. Because I, I don't think they're going to want to put Hunter and, and Zadarius Smith out there very much, and they shouldn't in preseason, similar to Dalvin Cook. Keep him in mothballs until the opener. And I do the same thing with Hunter and Zadarius Smith. From that respect, but I'm 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 impressed with what I've seen from a lot of guys. And Andrew Booth Jr. is a guy who's kind of jumped out at me, especially because there were question marks whether he can be ready physically with coming off that hernia surgery. And he's been very physical in camp and and very feisty out there, and shows good quickness, good acceleration, which was why. They drafted him in the second round, but he had first-round talent, but he was coming off that sports hernia surgery. And I think he's got a really good chance to start over Dantzler. And Dantzler's having a good camp and, and, and looks pretty good out there. But if I'm the coaching staff, I'm just not sure I trust Cam <laughs> after watching that tape of that Detroit game last year in Detroit where he's backpedaling into the end zone, gives up the winning touchdown. And, and again – the consistency is a concern. Dancer is a talented guy, but can he be consistent enough? Now, he says he's highly motivated this year. He's playing the season for his ex-teammate, uh, ex-draft classmate, Jeff Gladney, who had sadly died in the car accident in May. And so we'll see on Dancer. But I like Booth, and I think that I would feel a little more comfortable if I were the coaches, if, if he continues to develop – and again, the preseason games will be helpful to him. But if he continues to develop, I, I would like to see him in that starting lineup if things flow well for him. Unless Dantzler just really knocks their socks off and shows it that he can be the guy. And and they'll probably both play a fair amount. I think the other interesting guy, Cam Bynum, and so many people assume that Lewis Seen is going to be the starter at the opposite safety spot to Harrison Smith, as I said, and that scene would win the job because he's so athletic, because he was drafted in the first round. He's so physical. But Cam Bynum is a really good player and really smart player out of Cal. 
And I, I think a lot of people forget when Harrison Smith was out the two weeks with COVID last year, Bynum played really well and had an exceptional game in the loss to the Ravens, 12 tackles and interception, followed it up the next week with six tackles, a sack and a tackle for loss and a QB hit in the win over the Chargers. And he was going against two top flight quarterbacks in Lamar Jackson and uh, tell me again, the Chargers got Herbert. <laughs> Justin Herbert, Herbert, yes. Of course. Exactly. And so I think Bynum, I say don't sleep on Cam Bynum and don't assume that scene's going to be in the starting lineup opening day. And Bynum's been running with the first team. And you're facing Aaron Rodgers. I think, I think the coaches may feel a, more, a little more comfortable with the guy that has a year's experience, at least in that opener. But, but I think Seen will still play a lot, maybe in, in nickel or dime packages, and certainly they'll both be very active on special teams. Interesting. And, of course, you mentioned Dantzler and Gladney. They were drafted to kind of solve the Vikings' cornerback problems. Of course, Gladney uh, had all kinds of on- and off-field problems. Dantzler has been, I guess, mildly disappointing, although it's not over for him yet, of course. But the interesting thing is that they were both drafted in the 2020 class, and even if they don't, even with uh, everything that's happened, that still might end up being a good draft class. Let's talk about that here in a second. But first, let's hear about White Bear Lake Superstore, whitebearlakesuperstore.com. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Always excited to talk about the White Bear Lake Superstore. Buick GMC and my great friend, the owner, Paul Rubin, his general manager, Charlie Guttrell. Fantastic staff, Minnesota's number one volume Buick GMC dealer, six years running with the best selection and then a super friendly premium team. Check out that great website, whitebearlakesuperstore.com. And you'll see 0% APR on most GMC and Buick SUV models, including the stylish Encore GX. Check out the all-new next-generation GMC Sierra 1500. Reserve yours now and explore the GMC Sierra HD. And don't wait. Reserve your all-electric super truck, the Hummer EV. The Wiper Lake Superstore also is the Quigley 4x4 van superstore. They are a certified elite dealer. Only 7% of GM dealers make the cut. So visit in person at 3900 Highway 61 North in White Bear Lake or online at WhiteBearLakeSuperstore.com for all your vehicle needs and the premium experience. Buick GMC, we are professional grade. And thanks as always to TSR Injury Law. All you need to know is if you're injured, call 612-TSR-TIME, 612-TSR-TIME. They'll take good care of you, I guarantee it. Uh, so let's talk about the 2020 class. Obviously, it's a big win just when you get Justin Jefferson, where they got Justin Jefferson. But there's some sleepers in that class as well. Yeah, I think it's it's kind of rounding into an outstanding draft class. And give Rick Spielman some credit. He, he, he may have taken some grief on the way out the door, but, but that 2020 draft class, he did some of his best work. And, of course, you start with Jefferson, who's a superstar at, at number 22 in the first round. The Gladney pick, unfortunately, did not pan out because of his domestic violence arrest. And then uh, he was released and unfortunately had the, the uh, died in the traffic accident, too. Very sad story there. But going down that class, Ezra Cleveland, second round pick, solid offensive lineman, improving at left guard. Dantzler, the jury's still out, but he, he is right now a starter. And DJ Wanham. People forget he led the team in sacks last year, and he's going to be an important rotation player uh, to to help spell Hunter and, and Zadarius Smith. And I was watching one the other day beat Christian Darrisaw last year's first round pick in one on ones. 
So he, he's got some talent. James Lynch is a backup defensive tackle. Troy died backup linebacker, both fourth-round picks with Wanham. They're competing for jobs. We'll see if they hold on. Harrison Smith, Harrison Hand in a similar situation at corner, a fifth-round pick. And then you get to K.J. Osborne in the fifth round, who looks – talk about one of the guys who looks great in camp. And Jefferson and Thielen always look great, and Dalvin Cook and, and so forth. But K.J. Osborne makes plays every day. He made a diving goal line touchdown catch from Cousins the other day. And he's put on a little bit of weight, which he thinks will help him with his blocking. Had 50 catches last year, seven touchdowns in his emerging year. And he's going to be a starter because they're going to play three wide receivers the bulk of the time, which they should because that's the strength of the team. And O'Connell wants that type of pass-oriented offense. So Osborne, you throw him in the mix. Blake Brandel is a backup tackle, and he, he looks pretty good. Uh, Josh Metellus competing at safety. So you've got 10 players that are still here from that draft class, which is now three years later, and three or four starters, one superstar. And that's a great draft class. Yeah, you're right. And, and of course, you know, I mean, just getting Justin Jefferson at 22, I mean, good Lord. I mean, that's it, just, that's such a major, major victory for an organization. And that's also, you know, that, that's always a combination when you get a player that good, that late, it's a combination of drafting correctly and drafting intelligently. And also the rest of the league really blowing it. Yeah. Thank you, Philadelphia. They took Jalen yeah. Rieger oh. in, in the, in the spot before, so I'm sure the Vikings thank them every day for the, for that miscue on their part, and I'm sure they don't feel real good about that. Howie Roseman, the GM of the Eagles, but that's the way the draft goes. There are mistakes made all the time, and we see it whether it's a quarterback or any position. And so I think that's part of the part of the fun of the draft is projecting and hoping, and and you see how things turn out and. And sometimes you get these sleepers like Osborne in the fifth round and talk about a fifth round pick and a player that, I, that I'm impressed with, Amir Smith-Marset, who I think right now is the favorite for the number four wide receiver job with the Vikings. And I think the competition is going to be really intense for that job. And you've got some, some very good players competing uh, for that, for that, those fourth, fifth and sixth receiver spots. And uh, BC Johnson is back. Uh, from from last year when when he had his injury, you've got uh, Albert Wilson, a veteran who had had some time in Miami and Kansas City. He's got eight years experience. Uh, Jalen uh, uh, Naylor is a, a, a sixth round pick, and and he looks impressive, and he can be a return guy. And so you got a lot of guys competing for those receiver spots. And I think what is really interesting, Jim, is something I've never seen before. You got the head coach, Kevin O'Connell, every day that I've been out there, he's throwing in the wide receiver drills. Now, first of all, O'Connell's got a good arm. <laughs> he is an ex-NFL quarterback, but I've never seen the head coach out there actually actively participating in drills and throwing balls to these receivers, and he throws a good ball. Now, now he's not throwing the 30-yard outs, but he's throwing those 10 and 15-yard intermediate passes and I'm sure he could throw it downfield so he's <laughs> it's just kind of funny to see the head coach doing that but it also tells me that he's locked in on those receivers and knows how important the wide receivers are to his offense and that he wants to have a really good look at those guys up close when it comes time to make the final decision on the roster spots and how many receivers are they going to keep 
if they play a three wide receiver offense predominantly, they'll probably keep six, I would think. And so th- that's been kind of fun to watch. So that's why it reminds me when I started covering the Twins, Tom Kelly would be out there in Zubas. Uh, and a cigar throwing batting practice uh, before games. And I think part of it was he liked doing it. I think part of it, it kept him, and he, you couldn't interview him if he's on the mound throwing batting practice. Got him out <laughs> of a lot of media duties. That, that's true. And and I think maybe for Kevin, it, it, keep, it helps keep him in shape. He's out running around and throwing balls. and <laughs> just it, It's a funny sight. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about the league now. Uh, we've talked plenty of times about Watson. Of course, there are new developments we'll get to today. But let's start with Stephen Ross. Uh, you know, it's fascinating. The NFL is is its owners, basically. The owners hire the, uh, you know, they own the franchises. They hire the commissioner. They have power over the commissioner. It's not the other way around. It's really fascinating when we see owners pu- uh, punished. And frankly, an owner has to do a lot to get punished. What did you think of the Stephen Ross developments? Yeah, I was I was very surprised at first to hear about the tampering questions with Brady and with Sean Payton because that had never been publicized to my knowledge. It was all about whether whether Ross had had told Flores the coach to throw games and all this and that, all those allegations which which they are not punishing him for that. As soon as I saw a first round pick and a third round pick, I was like, whoa, he was trying to get to tank the season, no. <laughs> it, it was all about the tampering charges that, that they were able to prove. They must have had texts or emails or something to prove it. And and so that was surprising to me. And and so, yeah, the punishment definitely is, is pretty stout for Stephen Ross and, and for the Dolphins. When you lose a first-round pick at any time, that's very valuable. So it just uh, – it, it, I was surprised very honestly, with the whole thing, because I, I had not heard about the tampering charges. Yeah, uh, fascinating. And and it sounds like, anecdotally, that he did try to get uh, Flores to tank games, and uh, Flores refused. And I, I believe what Flores is alleging, that's just harder to prove. The ta- it's really interesting they ha- were able to turn up enough evidence to levy this kind of punishment over tampering, because it means somebody's talking. Yeah, exactly right. So, uh, and I think it's a good thing that that owners are punished when they do these type of things, whether it's Daniel Snyder, uh, who may, who may have gotten off lightly in the final analysis because of, uh, I don't think Washington lost any draft picks in that equation, and Snyder was fined ten million dollars and suspended for the period of time, and and then they put his wife in charge. So you know <laughs> that that's kind of kind of suspect right there. What's going on? in Washington in the front office, not to say his wife isn't capable, but I, I know Dan Snyder well enough personally that, that I, I think he's still calling the shots. And so, yeah, I think it was a, it was a good thing that Ross was, was punished the way he was. I think it, it sends a positive message to the players that, that nobody's above the law, whether you're an owner or whether you're a player. And, and that includes obviously Deshaun Watson, and that whole situation, which I think is going to get messier and messier here, if that's a word, <laughs> over over time, because you got the appeal filed, the the, the union is is talking about filing a, a lawsuit, and how does that play out with if they go to if they do file a lawsuit, is Watson going to be allowed to play pending the hearing of the lawsuit and Wow, I think that whole thing is just such a mess. 
Oh, no doubt about it. And listen, I, I'm hard on Goodell frequently. Uh, I think in this case, I actually think he was trying to do something logical, which is hand off disciplinary decisions to somebody with, you know, great experience who would be independent. Um, I mean, I think I think they they had the right idea and the judge blew it. Uh, and, and maybe she blew it in part because NFL suspensions and disciplines have been so uh, lax and weak over time that she was trying to stay in, uh, you know, she was trying to stay in context with those. Uh, but when you say that uh, you're not going to punish him more than six games because uh, sexual assault was nonviolent, uh, that that that's a just a horrible, horrible way to make a decision. It's a horrible look for the league, even if the league was trying to do the right thing. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I thought it was awful. I thought her logic was ridiculous. When you talk, she, she writes of egregious conduct that was premeditated and they showed a lack of remorse, and then she calls sexual assault and harassment nonviolent sexual conduct, and I mean, I disagree, you disagree, I'm sure the vast majority of women disagree with that statement, and and then she, she seemed to cherry pick certain punishments to justify the six games, but then why don't you look at what Michael Vick got for the dogfighting involvement, which was an indefinite suspension, and he was out for two years and went to prison, and Calvin Ridley suspended a full season for gambling. Michael Kendricks got eight games for insider trading. Uh, surely this is more egregious than that, and the fact that Watson had settlements with 23 of the 24 massage therapists, to me, that all warrants a full season suspension, in my view, and the thing that bothered me as much as anything, was that he wasn't fined anything beyond losing six weeks salary, yep. according to her. Now, obviously, it's being appealed, and it's going to going to be end up different. But the league was looking for something like an $8 million fine and a year suspension. And so she says, okay, all you're going to lose is six weeks pay. And he's got a $1 million, basically a minimum base salary. But he received a $45 million signing bonus. And he's making $46 million a year in his contract. They, they give him the $1 million signing bonus for salary cap purposes. And that's what she based the fine on. How can you do that? How can you not say at least he should be fined six seventeenths of his $46 million average salary, which would be $16 bucks? I mean, to me, that would be logical. Not $345,000 on a guy who's making $230 million guaranteed. That's crazy. And and that sure that's stuck in the league's craw. Uh, also, beyond they want him suspended for a full year, and supposedly in the negotiations they were were willing to go to twelve weeks, is what's been reported. But they also wanted about an eight million dollar fine. So this thing is not over by any stretch of the imagination, and the Browns are in limbo still. Yeah, no doubt about it. And they deserve to be in limbo, so I'm not too worried about them. But, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's, it, you said it. It's messier and messier. And, yes, those are words. We're going to go with them. Uh, hey, let's uh, for today, let's get a final thought on uh, on the Vikings and training camp. From Jeff, once again, thank you to White Bear Lake Superstore and TSR Injury Law and our producer, Brianne Burdett. If you'd like to advertise with the show or our growing network, you can reach Karen Cleary, K-C-L-E-A-R-Y at talknorth.com. All right, Jeff, tell me, give me one more thought on the Vikings right now. I'm going to give you two. I've got, uh, I think it's oh, really fascinating to see Kellen Mond, last year's third round pick, taking full team reps as the number two quarterback ahead of Sean Mannion. I know they're splitting some of those reps, 
but it really looks like O'Connell, who talked up Mon during the during the offseason, it looks like he's really given him a solid shot at winning that number two job. Now, of course, the preseason games and the and the practices with the 49ers will have a lot to say about how that turns out. But but he he looks pretty good in camp when I've watched him. Got a good arm, and just how how to his confidence level, how he picks things up, we'll see. The other thing that impressed me when I was out this week, Patrick Peterson, he he was going one on one with Justin Jefferson in yesterday and, and had an interception. Patrick Peterson is is really kind of a one of those athletic freaks, and it's not easy to play corner in the NFL and and whatever at 32 years old, and he's an eight eight or nine time Pro Bowler. But he still looks good out there, and and I was really impressed watching him uh, this week, and and actually had a couple of interceptions in that particular practice. So I'm sure the coaches are hoping that that carries forward and that he could, continues that type of performance. Good stuff, Jeff. I'll be seeing you out there one of these days soon. Uh, appreciate the update from camp. Thanks to Brianne. Thanks to everyone who listens to TalkNorth.com, and uh, we'll be back with both. Jeff Diamond's Vikings NFL Insider and the Viking Update show again next week.